Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you're doing, God. We thank you for all that you're doing in the in their lives and and what you're doing in this body, God. And whatever you're stirring right now, the stirrings that are happening, the changes, we just say yes to your will. We say yes to your purposes. God, I pray that you just feel Adam right now with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would have comprehension of the times and the seasons we live in and be able to speak to it. Mm. Right now, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, again, it's so good to be with you this morning. Let's just say that the degree difference between Tanzania and Grants Pass is significant. (laughs) About 50 degrees difference. So uh, we're a little cold, but we're good. We like the cold. Well, um, I want to start and get right in. Um, And Doug did give me kind of an indicator of what you guys have been talking about. Um, he said, you've been talking about the awe of God and this wonder of God and revival and what that means. So I'm going to kind of go with that theme today, but I want to start with a word. Uh, I'm a child of the late 80s and 90s. That kind of di- dates myself, but there's a word that I grew up using all the time, and it's up on the screen. Awesome! Now, usually, though, I would, comp- I would always partner that with a second word. Awesome, dude! So um, anybody here from the 80s or you love the 80s? That should be everybody's hands. Because as my wife says, it's the best music of all time is 80s music. And that's, see, I've got some nodding of heads. But um, we're going to talk about awesome today. And uh, I like to be really interactive. So I'm actually going to ask you um, to turn to your neighbor and ask them a question. Uh, and I want you to ask them this question, if I can get this moving. Tony, you might have to help me if you're up there. Yes, I want you um, to ask someone near you. It doesn't, doesn't have to be someone you know, but I want you to ask them, who is the most awesome person you have ever met? Husbands, be careful. <laughs> Turn around, ask someone around you. Who is the most awesome person you have ever met? Give you an- another 20 seconds or so. (laughs) All right. Again, I said I like to be interactive. I want to hear from at least one person in each section what your answer is. All right. So somebody over here real quickly. What did you respond? Just someone share. Don't be shy. Anyone? Yes. You said yourself? Good answer. What's your name? (laughs) You don't want to share? (laughs) Dan. Awesome, dude. (laughs) All right, somebody from here. Who's, yes? My bride. Good answer. What's her name? What's your name? Teresa. Teresa, all right. Teresa is awesome. Okay, someone over here in this section. The most awesome person you've ever met. Don't make me call on somebody. I also teach high school. I will call on someone. Yes. Your dad. What's your dad's name? Okay. Don, all right, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, someone in this section. Th- that's obligatory. Someone's going to say Jesus. We know you can't, you can't top that, right? Amen. Jesus, all right? Someone from this section, yeah. Danny Boggs. Danny Boggs. <laughs> Is that that guy? Oh. <laughs> Is that because he declared that? No. It's... All right, someone from here, this section. Most awesome person you've ever met. Yes. My mother. Your mother. Oh. Well, awesome is this word that I think has been somewhat watered down, all right? 
You know, I don't know if you know anything about languages, over time, words and the meanings of words can change, all right? And so I, I, I like dictionaries. Here's a def, the Merriam-Webster definition of the word awesome. It's an adjective, definition of awesome, as in amazing, causing wonder or astonishment, all right? And then it says the awesome power of the sea. That's kind of a, a way you would use that word. So do you see, and just take a moment, awesomeness. Wonder, astonishment. These are all the, the words that connect to what the word awesome means. And of course, just like the word love has been kind of delineated and diminished into a word we use for a lot of different things, like I love Chipotle and I love my wife. <laughs> Probably not the same excuse me, <laughs> definition for love that we want, right? But awesomeness or the word awesomeness also has that kind of effect, right? Dan is awesome, as he says, and God is awesome. So let's talk today, of course, I want to talk about God and his awesomeness, and, and I want you to think about this phrase. I don't know who said it, maybe I said it, I don't know, but it's a phrase that stuck with me as I was thinking about the passage we're going to look at today. It's this, awesomeness demands our attention. If we're in astonishment of something, if something causes, creates wonder in us, it should demand our attention, right? Our full attention, full engagement in that thing or that person or the God of all gods, King of all kings, the God of wonder we sing about. But we also know that something does happen to us as humans, all right? But I want to talk about, speaking of humans, the average attention span. I find this ex extremely interesting. Um, I didn't come up with this. This is some stats, all right? But, but if you didn't know about this, I'm going to read this to you. <laughs> Don't be offended by the things I say. <laughs> According to the year 2000 from this study, from, it's a, uh, actually a place that does like uh, psychiatry and psychology and studies humans, bridge care, care ABA, that says the average, average attention span of a human is 12 seconds. So most of you have already thought about something else. All right, that's, in the, that's like 2000, you know, year 2000. Now, this, and this study was done in approximately 2015. It's dropped, and now it's, what, 2024, so it might be less. Right now, according to this, 2015, eight seconds is the average human attention span. All right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, look at that shiny thing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the sad fact. A goldfish has more attention span than you do. <laughs> I'm sorry, but not sorry. All right? So there's some other stats there, 8.25 seconds. Um, attention spans can range from two seconds to someone who can really focus for 20 minutes, all right? Um, it's decreased by nearly 25% from 2000 to 2015, all right? Um, humans have shorter attention spans than goldfish. And this might not be surprising to many of you, but women usually have longer attention spans than men. Go ahead, wives, elbow your husbands. All right. I think that's interesting because, of course, when we talk about the awesomeness or astonishment or wonder that we, I believe, are created to have for God, how does this affect that? How does our attention span, our focus, this wonder that we can have for God, how can that get lost? All right. Over time. And maybe you can, you can laugh about it and say, well, that's just human nature. We're all just ADD. But I think there's more to that. Because I believe that in this phrase, familiarity steals greatness. 
Because, see, the reason I think that we get bored so easily is because it becomes familiar. And again, we can, we can blame this on human nature, but I believe also as people of the kingdom, if we are, we can realign even biologically to God's values. Let's talk about this phrase for just a moment. Familiarity steals greatness. As a pastor, there's one thing I've recognized, and, and there's a phrase that pastors commonly say. Probably Pastor Doug has said this. We call it the 10, some say the 100 mile anointing. I say the 10 mile. It's basically Pastor Doug could preach about tithing for 20 years. Not that he's doing that. But then someone could come in from 10 miles away or 100 miles away, and they are so unfamiliar, but they could preach the same thing that Pastor Douglas preached about tithing, and all of a sudden, it's just incredible, the influx that comes to the church. That's a simple example, and maybe a difficult example, a simple example of familiarity stealing greatness. Okay, but how does this happen in our own lives? How has God maybe become so familiar to you that you no longer have the awesomeness or oneness or astonishment of who He is? That's what we want to look at today. We want to look at Scripture and, and see where this has maybe happened throughout history. Guess what? If this is happening to you, don't feel bad yet. You're not alone. <laughs> All right? Because what happens when we lose our sense of wonder? What happens when God becomes familiar? Many things can happen. Maybe we can start entering and engaging in behaviors that maybe aren't godly, right? Because, well, it's just God who really cares. I can do this thing, do that thing, not do this thing, not do that thing. It doesn't matter anymore, right? Those are, the, those are the atmospheres, the attitudes that we can engage in when we lose our wonder. What happens if you lose the wonder and astonishment in a relationship, a physical, human relationship? That can have some after effects, right? Potentially negative effects. And this could also be happening with us when it comes to God. So we're going to talk about today an Old Testament passage, Exodus 32. I'm assuming you brought your Bibles, and we're going to lock, look, not look at all these, but I want to kind of give you a background before we look at the passage today, okay? So um, just a little bit of history here. So first of all, um, who here has heard of the Israelites before? Raise your hands. Okay. Yes, I'm glad. All right. The Israelites are God's chosen people, um, people He's used to, to share His message throughout the world, all right, up until today right? It's his covenant people, all right? As we know, all Gentiles now were also invited to that covenant. But there's a story about the Israelites, and they were held captive in Egypt. And uh, God delivers them. And through Exodus 1 through 18, uh, we see this, all right? We see this uh, journey they go through, okay? And they go through this journey. They get delivered. All these amazing, wonderful, awesome things happen. Like God sends plagues to Egypt, who here has seen the Ten Commandments or Prince of Egypt? You know what I'm talking about, okay? They send, God sends plagues, and they get delivered. They part, get to walk through the Red Sea. All these awesome things happen, all right? And then they then exit Egypt. They part through the Red Sea, and they are trying to find the Promised Land. And then from, verse, from chapters 19 through 31, it's all about Moses going up on the mountain, being with God, and, and God telling him how his people should live. And Moses spends time in the awesome face-to-face -face presence of God. But something happens while Moses is up there. All right? And I want to read to you, um, and if you have your Bibles, you can look here, but it's Exodus 20, 1 through 23, um, because that takes us to the passage we're going to look at today. All right? 
Um, it's, it's, I just want to read this to you. You can follow along in your Bibles. This is NLT version. If you have another version, it's fine. I just want to read this to you so you can see where we're headed. If you're there, same there. Okay, here we go. God gave the people all these instructions. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of, your, of the parents upon their children. Their entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother, and you, you will have a long life, full life in the land your Lord God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor." When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. Everybody say, awesome. And they spoke to Moses, you must, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the cloud where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, you saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Did you see a reoccurring theme that God said in those verses? What did he most often talk about? Idols, gods, something in place of him. And he, he even says, remember, even though he said it, maybe we don't know the time frame, but maybe, you know, a few minutes before, this is important to God, that we give him our full attention, that he is the focus of our awe and astonishment and wonder. This is important to God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Amen. Speaking of important, we're going to look at Exodus 32, verses 1 through 35. You might say, well, that seems a lot. Are we going to be here all day? No, we're not. I promise. And I'm not going to read it to you because I really believe in the importance and, and the power of reading the Bible and the Scripture together. So this might be different for you. I told you I'm interactive. But, you know, I come from Tanzania um, where we have a multi, uh, ch multinational church. We have people from at least 15 different languages. So what we typically do when it's time to read Scripture is we break people into groups and they read the Bible in their own language. So we're going to try that today. I'm going to invite you. Um, if you have a Bible or a phone, we're trusting you looking at the Bible on your phone. Um, but I'm going to invite you, uh, and we're going to do this in parts. You're going to turn to the people around you, and it's also cool to read the Scripture in community, all right? So you can do this as a family. You can do this with other people that are near you, but we're going to read the passage. You're going to read the passage, and then we're going to talk about it, all right? And it's just a way for you also to get the Word of God in your heart. So this is, you're going to try this first. You're going to just read the first six verses, all right? 
And I'll, I'll say, it's time to start. You're going to do that. And in a couple minutes, we'll come back and I'll talk a little bit more, all right? So the first part, portion or part is Exodus 32, 1 through 6. And as you're reading, I want you to be thinking about what stood out to you, all right? Don't just read to read to get through it. Really read and say, okay, God, what are you wanting to show me through these six verses? Who here believes God speaks through his word? Okay, good answer, all right? So go ahead and do that now. I, I, don't do this by yourself. Try to find someone around you who has a Bible or phone and read this and read out loud. Read out loud, all right? And then, then after you've read, I want you to talk about what stood out to you, okay? Go ahead. Again, after you've read it, ask someone that question in your group. What stood out to you? Just say, hey, what stood out to you as you read? What stood out to you? You have another minute or so. Again, make sure you've, you've asked about, you've talked about with someone in that circle, that group, what stood out to you, okay? We have about 30 more seconds before we continue, okay? Okay, so let's move on, and you'll have more time to interact again later. Uh, so I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm not hoping, I'm sure that God already had some things stand out to you because he does that with his word, right? Um, so I want to just share a few things that, to think about as, just in these first six verses, and we're going to look at the whole passage. But again, keep in, keep in just the back of your mind or be remembering what God had just told them. <laughs> and Moses is up in the presence of God, and, and think about what's happening have they lost their wonder? 
All right? So here's some things to just think about, okay? All right? Um, Moses is spending 40 days and 40 nights in the awesomeness of God's presence. All right? They know this. They know he's up there face-to-face with God. But, but then they, 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 get, they get disenchanted so quickly, don't they? <laughs> that awesomeness is lost. I mean, again, these are people who had experienced amazing miracles of God. Complete deliverance out of slavery. A whole nation, not just five, ten, or even thousands. A whole nation. And they've already lost this wonder. So, they request, what they request is a betrayal of the covenant. God makes a covenant, a promise with his people, and they're basically betraying that covenant, all right? They break the second commandment outright, which God repeats. It's the one God repeats. That's the one they break, all right? They're, and they're not even secretive about it. This is what's amazing to me. They're not like, hey, we'll just kind of, we'll try to hide this, like, you know, not a Jonah story. They're like, nope, we're just going to outright, we're going to just break it, all right? Um, and accepting the covenant, the when they accepted this covenant, they said, we're going to worship the one true only God. Because see, many of them had struggled with bringing gods from Egypt. And that's another reason that God said, no, I'm the one and true only God. You're not going to be able to bring any of that stuff with me. I'm the one to be worshipped, all right? And there had been reminders of this. You can go back in Scripture throughout this, this chain of events through the book of Exodus, seeing that God has said the same thing over and over again. This, is one, this wasn't new information, all right? So it's not like, oh, I, God, I didn't know that we're only supposed to worship you. I didn't know that. No, they knew this. All right? Um, and then they used this absence of Moses. Hey, Moses isn't here. Let's go and do what we want to do. All right? And it's interesting, though. They don't make something that's, you know, almost like an idea of God. They try to make a visible God. Of course, false. All right? And Aaron... He fails at this. He's supposed to be the priest. He's supposed to be the one, the keeper of the flame, per se, all right? The keeper of the awesomeness of God. And he fails. And he leads them astray, all right? And they melt down their jewelry. Many of them had brought jewelry from Egypt given to them by the Egyptians because that's one thing that God had asked them to do, all right? Is the Egyptian to give that to them, all right? And they make this golden calf. Now, interesting thing about the calf, some versions and some studies, scholars of Hebrew history say that Maybe it was a young bull, which represented power and fertility, all right? Which is something that these Israelites, they wanted because they hadn't had that in Egypt. It's not right that they did this, but they were trying to seek after that, all right? Um, Or some people think that maybe this was an Egyptian god called Apis that they were trying to actually create there in the wilderness, all right? No matter what, what's sad is Aaron tells them, he tells them that this false god is the one that has rescued them out of Egypt, he subverts the awesomeness of the one true God and tries to place that on a God that is not real. Hmm, how many times might we do that? Again, I'm not here to kick your chair a whole lot or point fingers, but a challenge. All right? And then they hold this big party and celebration, thinking that this is it. Well, that's not the end of the story. We're going to look a little bit more. We're going to go to part two. And that, again, brings you back around. Again, we want you to turn to your neighbor, and it can be a different neighbor. And I want you to read just seven verses, chapter 32, verses 7 through 14, and we're going to see what happens next. And again, think about what stands out to you. All right? And I'll be back.
All right, again, think about what stood out to you. About another 30 seconds, we'll continue, okay? Okay, we're going to move on. Here's some things to think about. And again, I probably, I'm, I'm going to assume that God has already showed you some of this stuff, all right? But it's good to talk about it in a group. As you can see, God is not happy. <laughs> He's just a little bit angry because they've forgotten His awesomeness. They've already forgotten what He told them not to do. All right? And he was, he's angry. And I, I understand this. I, if if, if any time God has reason to be angry, I would say this is it. Right? And he calls them stiff-necked, stiff which means stubborn. I think he's being kind of kind there. I might have said some other things in the flesh. All right? And he decides to destroy them. And I think, okay, when you read the story, you think, yeah, he's got it right. He does. All right? Because he's trying to fulfill a promise. See, there's, there's this idea of the covenant. We don't have to get into all of it today, but as you study this covenant, it started in eight with Abraham generations before. And, and he's been, God's been wanting to hold this promise of this covenant, this promise, all right? So he's going to say, he just basically, oh, I'm just going to kill everybody, and Moses is going to be one. Just like Abraham was the, the father of many nations, now it will happen through Moses, forget everybody else. And, and I'm, as I read this, I think, well, God has the right to do this, right? But what I love about Moses, he had to be some one bold dude. Because he confronts God, and he acts immediately as this intercessor, this, this intermediary between God and his people, right? And he says, he says he, it says in the word, he sought the favor of the Lord. This actually, it's amazing. I'm not big on always looking at the Greek and Hebrew, but the actual translation is, it says he caressed the face of the Lord. That's how close he was to God and God's awesome presence on behalf of his, Moses' people and God's people saying, please, God, will you not do this? And God responds. And I think one re reason God responds is because Moses honored God's presence. Moses honored the awesomeness of God. He'd spent time with him, though, so he knew what that was like. There's a key there, right? If you've lost your awe or wonder of God, maybe it's because you're not spending time with him. And I will say this, it's more than an hour on Sunday. If you think someone is awesome, you want to be with them all the time. And I'm going to say this in this truth. I think my wife is awesome. And I want to be with her all the time. She probably gets irritated how much I want to be with her. Like, I'm like, I will always want to just be with her. Like, if she could be up here preaching with me right now, probably would. I'm serious. Yeah, she could, I guess, you know. But, but that's what happens when you're in awe of, awe of someone, you want to be with them. And God saw that in Moses, and Mos Moses saw that in God. So he caressed the face of the Lord. This is powerful. And then, this is amazing, Moses, even though God had reminded them many times, right, not to follow false idols, Moses reminds God <laughs> that, hey, God, wait, remember, these are your people. <laughs> remember what you did? They brought them, you brought them out of Egypt. You did all this stuff. And then what's amazing about God, he changes his course of action. Now, this is not, I don't believe, theologically, this is because of what Moses did. God knew what he was going to do. 
but we do see an interaction here of humanity, God's creation, with God, a partnership, a co-laboring, right? And God changes his course of action because, again, in Moses' awe and his respect of God. Let's continue. There's a third part. And yes, I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor again and read, all right? Because I think it's really important. So this is part three, Exodus 32, 15 through 35. This is the longest part, the longest section, but it will finish us out as far as your reading, all right? So find someone around you, read these 20 verses, and be thinking about what stood out to you.
Have another minute or so. Again, make sure you're interacting and asking someone in your group what stood out to you, okay? All right, we're going to continue on. I have to say, as a side note, I personally love hearing people read the Word of God and talk about the Bible. It's just like, to me, it's, it's almost equal to the sound of worship. I just, I believe it is worship. So uh, I want to do a little more interaction here before I share some more things to think about. I'd love to hear on this part from each, again, just one person from each section, something that stood out to you in this part of the passage. Would someone be so bold as to share in this section something that stood out to you from this 20 verses? Don't be afraid. You, sir. What's it out to you from these 20 verses? Oh, my God, I just got the okay. that they, the, you know, people were forgiven mm. in the course of, uh, well, I guess killing each other, it sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, go ahead, sorry. I didn't quite understand that. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So he said uh, people forgiven in the course of some violent behavior, some killing, yeah, and it's confusing. Yeah, what is it out to you? That Moses offered to give his own life mm. in Yes. Could not be, but it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. Amen. Oh, so insightful. Yeah, we're going to talk about that word in a minute, but Moses was willing to take the place of the people, all right, in payment for what they've done. And like she said, he wasn't perfect. So he couldn't do that yet, you know? Someone else was going to come, right? Yes. And does. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Someone from this section, something that stood out to you in this part of the story? Anyone? Please share with us. Yes, you're smiling and looking at me, so I'm going to pick on you, just like a kid. But <laughs> Moses, he interceded for Aaron because Aaron sinned. Yeah. I mean, he led him right down the path. Yeah. And he, you know, as, as Maury said, he was offering himself. Mm, yeah, kind of even in place of his brother-in-law, right? Yeah, or yeah, brother-in-law, brother, brother. Brother. Yeah, stand corrected. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Someone from this section, something that stood out to you, and it can be repeated. It's okay. I just really thought Aaron sucked. <laughs> He wasn't a good right. leader. Aaron, can I quote you on that? Yeah. I think we can say that word. Aaron yeah. sucked. That's what he said. And maybe, may, oh, maybe Moses wasn't a good discipler. Maybe Moses didn't show a good example. Excellent insight. Go ahead, move on. Dan, yeah. He saw those things. Yeah. And now Moses is up on the mount. Ah. But the real question is, ah. then, what happened with Aaron uh, when uh, Moses said, if you're with God, stand over here, Aaron must have stood there. Yes. That means that if you repent, even mm -hmm. then, yeah. God will forgive you. If you don't, whew, yeah. judgment. I don't know if you heard everything he said, but a lot of insight into, um, you know, the, the king's court and really even in proximity. Moses here was on the mountain. Aaron is down. But then when this division happens, 
we, we can ascertain from the scripture that Aaron moved over to Moses' side. Do you want to say something? Hi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming. Yeah, so merciful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I love your accent, by the way. Man, I could listen to that for hours. Okay, did you want to say something? Yeah, I'm reminded of Acts 2, 41. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, how the law kills, but yes. grace resurrects. And so it's oh. really it was forwarding and, and foreshadowing what would happen in the future. And, and yeah. Basically points to the way that these two books overlap. One gives you context for the real consequences of sin, and the other one describes the real purpose. So yeah, I don't know if you could hear. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's just talking about the foreshadowing. And again, you know, God is not confused in his timeline and how he writes his story, his story, which is still being written, right? But it even, it actually talks about yeah. the way that if we don't, we don't trust or have faith, we may think something is happening that actually isn't, which is what happened to them. Exactly. They didn't come back in time. Yes, exactly. Good insight. He talks about, he's just sharing about timing. You know, God, Moses didn't come to the mountain maybe in the timing. Oh, I thought Moses was going to just go and be a few hours, you know, three days, four days, 40 days. And they're getting anxious. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. Someone else from this section, and then we'll continue. Anyone here want to share anything that you thought stood out? Anyone? I'm looking at you. You're smiling. Go ahead. <laughs> share. No, no. Yeah, the brutality, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right, cleansing. So many good insights, and I, I don't necessarily know if I have anything more to add or not, but I want to just share a few other things to think about from this passage, and a, th a few of them are, are connected to what you already talked about, okay? I love God's word. It's so powerful. So we see that Moses, of course, he confronts the people. He runs to the camp, clasping the tablets. I think he's probably freaking out, um, and he's probably angry too, okay? Because here he spent time, again, caressing God's face, <laughs> all right? And uh, when he sees what's going on, in his anger, Moses throws down these precious tablets, all right? Um, that had all those things we read, Exodus 20, written on them. <laughs> uh, then he throws the statue. He, he destroys the statue, forces the Israelites to drink it, yes, because um, I think he wants them to taste their own, you know, sin in a sense. Um, and I think Aaron, Aaron's excuse is like Aaron sucked. He's so, his, he, he's like, he's weak, right? Um, and he passes actually blame, as you notice, a blame shift happens again, just like in, in Genesis 3, <laughs> blame shift happens again. Hey, it was the people. They had, the, she wanted the apple, right? Um, and he focuses on this bull. He doesn't take responsibility. And we see that Moses, like you said, like you already saw, he had begged God for mercy on the people. But grace, on the flip side, does not mean they can escape punishment for their sin. Grace is a bit different, right? Um, and so there's still consequences. Even though we do something against God's will and he has grace and he has mercy, there's many times we have to live out those consequences and that's what's happening here. 
they're living out the consequences, and they're given the choice. But these Levites, these, this priestly caste, and it seems harsh and brutal, it really does. They're ordered. I mean, this is one of the, f- the first orders of God upon the priestly <laughs> line is to go around killing people. And I think um, this is something that affects, of course, not only the people they kill, but um, it also is a, a lesson for these priests. Can you think that they really enjoyed doing this? No, of course not. Killing their own brothers and sisters? But as harsh as it might sound, this is a hard lesson God wanted to teach them the awesomeness of His presence and how they are to be keepers. The Levites are supposed to be the keepers of God's holiness. Right? They're to be that example. And so God is, again, teaching them a harsh lesson. 3,000 people of Israel die. All right? Moses appeals. um, And someone over here said it. I'll use that word atonement, at one minute. Moses says, hey, can I be the one? Can I be the one, please God, to take on everyone's sin? Can I just be that place, all right? That ram, that lamb. Atonement means to make payment. Moses basically saying, hey, can I pay for their bill? <laughs> they've, they've eaten the whole meal. <laughs> can I pay for the bill? And God is like, no. And Moses confesses the sin of the people. And then we see at the end, because God has mercy, Moses is reinstated as the leader, and the line continues. Really amazing, awesome, incredible story. But some of you, I know you're sitting there, and you're thinking, well, that was, you know, how many thousands of years ago? What does this have to do with me? How does this pertain to today? February 4th, Grant's passed at 11.43 a.m. Let's talk about this. What does this mean for you and me? First thing I want to I share with is a story. There's a, a man I met um, about 10 years ago. He was short, shorter than me, bald, and had a mustache. His name was Steve Shaw. <laughs> I met Steve at a vineyard conference. Uh, I didn't know him, but I went up for prayer, and then I, I just felt someone's hand on my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's Steve. And he introduced himself, and he had found out that we were moving to the Northwest to pastor a vineyard church. And he said, Adam, I really feel like led by the Lord just ask you, would you like a mentor? And I said, yes. He said, I would like to mentor you for the first year you're here in Oregon. I'd like to mentor you. and Just call you once a month. We'll talk. We'll share some things. And, and I said, yes, love that. So we started doing that. And, and Steve told me many memorable things. But one of the most memorable things he ever shared with me was on our first phone call. And he, he had no bones about himself. He would just get right in it. All right. And he said, Adam, I want to tell you something. There are some idols in Oregon. Idols in Oregon? What are you talking about, Steve? He said, every place culturally has idols, has golden calves. <laughs> and he said, everywhere has it, and Oregon has some too. And these are the three he shared with me. And that's not just pertaining to Grant's Pass, but to Oregon. All right? And again, I might be here to kick your chair and get you a little uncomfortable, okay? Because some of us might say, well, hey, we're not building any golden calves. We don't have a young bull in front of our house. But what are the idols that we have put in place of God? What are some things that have distracted us from the awesomeness of God? Because that's what happened before we get into this. The golden calf took away the awe and wonder that was meant for God. That holiness, that respect, and that's what broke God's heart. So what are the idols that we might be dealing with? Well, again, I'm not here to personally point a finger at you, but these are things Steve brought up, and I think they're true. Being in Oregon, we were pastors in Oregon for about five years before moving to Tanzania, 
and I found these to be true. He said, there's three things that in order you're going to find. Rebellion. <laughs> he said, did you know the motto for Portland? Now, I know we're not in Portland. But he said, Adam, do you know the motto for Portland? I was very green, very new. I said, no, what is it? He said, Adam, the motto for Portland is keep Portland weird. <laughs> there's an idol of rebellion. It's honorable to rebel against everything. That's an idol here in Oregon. Rebellion. You need to be aware of that. You need to know that, that's, that people are worshiping rebellion. Any way, shape, or form they can rebel, they will do it, and that's an idol. I said, okay. I said, is, is there more? He said, oh, yes, there's more. Apathy. Apathy. What do you mean, Steve? What do you mean? He said, well, people are apathetic. They just don't care. And it's an, it's an idol. But it's like they focus on not caring. <laughs> it's like they take honor in not caring. They just brush things off. I said, okay, that's, that's hard. Steve, is there more? Yes, there's more. There's one more. Independence. Independence. Well, Steve, isn't that a good thing? Well, said Adam, no, not for, not, not for a Christ follower. Not for anyone, but not for a Christ follower. That We're called to, to be in community together. We're, we're called to, to reach out if we need help. We're called to, to, to seek help from others. So, so Steve gave me those things to ponder and think about as I began pastoring in Oregon. And, and the things the Lord res- showed me, because I think, I think that when God asks us to give him something, he always gives us something in return. He doesn't leave us empty. So I, I began asking the Lord about 10 years ago, well, Lord, if these are the idols, culturally in Oregon, again, every place has them, what are the things, if you want to take these from us, what are the things you want us to have in exchange? And these are the three things. Righteousness. In place of rebellion, God wants to give us righteousness. Again, not perfection. No, none of us... As much as you don't want to hear this, none of, us, you are, none of you here sitting here are ever going to be perfect. <laughs> but we can pursue righteousness. We can pursue right standing with God. We can say, no, God, I don't want to have an idol of rebellion. Actually, I want to be right with you, right with my family, right, with, right in my workplace. These are things that God wants us to pursue in place of that idol. Secondly is action. That's the opposite of apathy, all right, is to take action. And I know as we, as we are here today, that means different things for all of us, Right? The way you might be called to take action might be different than the way I'm called to take action. But it does go against this idol of apathy of just like, I don't care. Do whatever you want, I don't care. Instead, God says, no, I want you to take action. And thirdly, instead of independence, God wants to give us interdependence. And this is the beauty of what church should be, and I believe it is here. But that we can lean on each other, that we have this hope that when we go through stuff, we don't have to go through it alone. We can call someone. And they will answer. <laughs> we can seek people out. And it's not even that hard. They're there. Sometimes, as my experience in the community of faith, people respond because of the Spirit, even before I ever ask them. But it takes this willingness to say, no, I want to be interdependent in the kingdom. So those are some cultural idols. But I want to drive a little bit deeper here as we come to a close soon. What are your personal idols? What are some things that maybe are now in your life that bull or that calf that's in place of the awesomeness that God wants to take. You know, I'm not here to, to point a finger at you. All of us struggle with something, and I'm not here to say what that is. But I believe even today, as you've looked at the Scripture, God is revealing that to you. Because as much as we might not like this, we are just like the Israelites, because we're human. <laughs> but our idols, are, are the difficult thing I believe in our modern day is our idols are vastly different. They're not as easy to see. I mean, I don't know of any of you that have built a young bull and put it in front of your house. And if you have, we need to talk. 
But I'm going to head even closer to many of us, we carry our idols right in our pocket. You don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. And we give attention and wonder to that thing, that next hit of video, or whatever it might be, that fills that void for the moment. And yet we wonder why we can't pay attention to God. Bless you. Why we can't hear his voice. Why we can't be still. Again, I'm not here to judge you or shame you. Just proclaim God's goodness and grace and drawing you to him because he wants you to caress his face, not this. And how many times do we caress our faces with this? I, you don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. And I know, I know it's not all bad, right? Many of us, we are linked to this because of our jobs and we connected to family. It's not like this is evil in itself. But if it takes the place of God, it's an idol. So, a few final thoughts before we take some time to pray. They had lost their awe of God. That's what had happened, all right? They would have never created an idol if they would have kept that awesome wonder of God. Again, think about this. While they were worshiping a false god, Moses was in the awesomeness of God's presence. And that's what this really comes back to. If we are positioned in God's presence, there is no comparison we're not going to want to bow down to any other idols if we know how much it is to be in God's presence, right? I don't know about you, but for me, God's presence is the best place I've ever been. And I can't wait to get back to it. That's why I love coming to church, because it's one of the places. It's not the only place, but going to church is one of the places that we can be positioned in God's presence, right? And I'm not just talking about emotional experience. That's part of it. But we can know God is working when we're in his presence. We can know that there's nothing else important. We can get that tunnel vision straight to him, which I hope this happens to you, that everything else can be dissipated and all we see is him. But we can do this outside of church. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can do this at your home, your workplace. As I can see in Grants Pass, Oregon, you can walk outside and you can say, God, you are so awesome. You created that tree. <laughs> created that mountain. You created that beautiful river, God. Not that God is the river. I'm not saying that. We have so many invitations and opportunities to walk in the daily presence and awesomeness of God. Don't lose your wonder. There's just no comparison. There's nothing like coming to church and worshiping God. There's nothing like it. And I've been doing this thing called Christianity for about 35 years. And I still can't wait to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. It never gets old. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Amen. Because he meets us. And because I know that it's not about me. It's about him. And he changes lives. Like Pastor Doug was saying, he heals people. He releases demons. He breaks addiction. I know too many stories now. I can't go back to, to the golden calf. I know too many stories. I can't go back to Egypt. I've crushed his face. The same can be for you. Because we're all invited to be aware of his awesomeness. This is for everyone. The invitation's for everyone. Maybe you've been a Christian for one day or 100 years. <laughs> 
we all are invited all the time to be aware of his awesomeness. That, that's an invitation that doesn't stop. God doesn't say, well, you know, you were aware of it, you know, when you were 18 and you first fell in love with Jesus. Now you don't have to be so aware of my awesomeness anymore. You can just be, you know, complacent. You can be apathetic. You can be rebellious. It's okay. No, God does not change. It's actually an invitation for more, right? Again, I find the more we know God, the more awesome he should become. So I wanna, I'm going to look at the very, very, very last verse of Exodus 40. Verse 38, the last verse of Exodus, to see kind of what happens in this part of the biblical story, okay? A lot goes on between 32 and 40. We don't have time for that today, but look at this. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day. The tabernacle is where God's presence dwells. And at night, fire glowed inside the cloud. I love how he says, so the whole family of Israel could see it. And then this, this continued throughout all their journeys. Doesn't stop. Never stops. And I, I, would, I would, I guess, invite you at this end to think about that phrase for you. What does it mean for God's awesome power to continue in your journey with him? What does that look like for you today? I'm sure you have some amazing stories here personally of what God's done in your life. That is great. But many of us, we rest on those past stories, but God wants to do something today. Yes, right now. Right now, in this moment, God wants to do something in, his, in your life, showing his awesome power and glory. I don't know what that is, but he does. It continues. If we position ourselves in his presence, Say, God, I want to be in awe and wonder of you. God, I'm tired of these idols in my life. I lay them before you. God, I want you to be the thing that, that I caress <laughs> with my face. Not FaceTime. <laughs> it's true. God, don't let us lose our wonder. See, I don't want a goldfish to take my place. let's take some time to pray. I'm going to ask Pastor David to come up. I don't know how you guys normally do this, but we'll be open, all right? I know we already have prayed today. I know that many of you have had a touch from the Lord. And again, I'm not here to manipulate or contrive anything. It's up to God what he wants to do. <laughs> it's what's so beautiful about him. He knows exactly what he wants to do. But we're just going to take some time to pray, all right? And so I want to invite you just to be open to his presence. Uh, Leslie, if you come up and just start playing in the background. Um, we're just going to take some time to pray for each other, all right? And I might say, call out a few things. Don't feel pressure. Um, but we're going to be sensitive to the Lord. All right, so I want to invite you just to be in a posture of receiving, all right? And interaction with God. However that needs to happen for you. Sometimes you need to close your eyes. That's for me. I need to close my eyes. Maybe you need to stand. Um, maybe you need to open your arms out. However you feel comfortable. But whatever is good for you in the sense of interacting with God right now, because that's what's important. Because, see, his word enters in for transformation. It's information for transformation. So we don't want to leave here with, without inviting some action from the Lord, right? These are just great, you know, mental thoughts. I think God is working, and he wants to continue to work this morning. All right? So let's just close our eyes. Again, if you want to stand, you can stand. If you need to put your arms out, if you need to lay prostrate on the ground, if you need to bow, you do whatever you need to do to interact with God right now. God, you are here. This is a place where you connect with your people, God. Yes. 
This is a place of positioning in your presence. Not because there's anything that we do. We can't contrive it. We can't manipulate it. It doesn't depend on the song we choose. It's all about you, God. So we come to you right now and we say, come Holy Spirit. Just say that if you can. If you want to, even in your mind, just say, come Holy Spirit. For me, it helps when I put my hand over my heart. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Fill this place with your presence. God, we are a people that we cry out for your awesome presence. Yes, thank you, God. God, some of us today in this room, we have lost our wonder of you. We have lost our awe of you, God. And we know there's many reasons that can happen. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're discouraged. Maybe we've been waiting for you to do something. We haven't seen it yet. So God, we just think you're, you're not going to do it. But Lord, we come to you right now as a collective body and we say, God, we want your wonder again. We want to pursue it. It's going to be quiet for a minute. Let the Lord speak to you. He's here. He's moving. positioning before God in his presence. If you're here today and you say you need prayer for something we talked about today, again, maybe it's you've lost the awe and wonder. You know that's an issue. You know that you just need to reconnect with God's awesomeness, his holiness. Come up and get prayer. If you're here today and you say, hey, I've got, I've got some idols or an idol in my life. It's significant. I want to lay it down today. Come forward for prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're maybe a little bit confused about all the things we've talked about. Jesus loves, he cares about you, has a plan for your life. Your life, come up here and get prayer. All right? Don't leave today. If you're here and you need prayer, don't leave today without getting some prayer. Okay? We're just going to open it up. And it takes a bold step of moving. Let's stand for a moment, please. There are some of you in this room that are just one step away from freedom. Thank you, God. Wow. We have talking, been talking for quite a while about a godly sorrow that's intended by God that brings us to a place of repentance, which brings revelation which brings us back to where we know we need to be. Many of you need to return to Eden. You need to return back to that place where God meets the cry of your heart. You can still love Jesus, but you can certainly lose your awe. And this is one of those moments where if you have lost that awe, that wonderment, maybe that healthy, amazing fear of the Lord, Mm, that is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. You've drifted from that. It's time. It's time for you to come home. So if that's you, come on home. Come on home. Yeah, yeah. Just step into his presence. Come on home. 
Thank you, God. John Brevere wrote in a book called The Awe of God. He talked about an interview with some of you probably remember the pastor uh, Jim Baker. Uh, he was quite a television evangelist back in the day. It was big. But he ended up in prison. So John had an opportunity to interview him. And he just said, John, when did you, when did you, or he said, John was interviewing Jim. He said, Jim, when did you lose your love for God? He said, John, I never lost my love for God. What I lost was my awe for God. That, oh, that is revealing. We need to return to that place where we stand in the awe of God and his presence. Amen? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Could we get uh, a couple of ministry team people up here to pray with these folks? And This is a good word. And I think there's more people out there like me that are toying with the idea of coming up here and you haven't done it yet. But that familiarity thing... I ended up there. I don't know how or when it happened, but I will confess that it happened. And I just invite any of you up here that feel like you've lost the awe and you just feel like you're too familiar, please come up. Guys, at the end of the day, this is what freedom looks like. As we step into his presence, everything changes, and there is freedom. Freedom. Thank you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. We know you're here. We just ask that you would manifest <laughs> in and through their hearts in a powerful way. Father, you know the cry of their hearts. So, Father, I just pray that you would answer each and every cry. Thank you, God. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 